0: Coming up on marriage today with Jimmy and Karen. When you have two individual stubborn people at a standoff, it's just a headbutting contest. But when two people surrender themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, everything is blessed. Everything is peaceful. That's where the peace comes from.
1: Go with peace because you will see a transforming, you know, spirit in your home that will affect it, your children, your grandchildren, you know, everybody that you come in contact with.
0: That's right, Karen. Let me talk about four foundations of true and lasting peace in marriage. And the first is prior agreement. If you're going to have peace in your marriage relationship, you have to have agreement beforehand. This is Amos 3.3. 3. And Amos asks a question that's a very important question. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Okay, that's, that's the question. The answer is absolutely not. And the longest journey in life is marriage. If, if you're not in agreement and you're walking in marriage and one person's going this way and the other person's going that way, it creates conflict. It creates a lot of conflict. And that, that's what happened in our relationship. And so every couple enters into marriage, you know, hoping to have a great marriage, hoping to have harmony and peace and all the blessings of marriage. But if you don't have prior agreement in your marriage, it's a pipe dream. And so I started out in ministry. What I did was I got couples ready to be married. So when I took couples through pre-marriage counseling, I had a couple of different uh, things that I used in pre-marriage counseling. One was called a marriage expectation inventory. And I, I would take couples and I would ask them just certain questions about their marriage. One of the questions was, how many children are you gonna have? I had a couple, the man said six, the woman said two. How many of you know that's the problem? And I said, well, how many are you gonna have? And he said, six. And she said, not by me, you're not. That couple broke up. That was a deal breaker for him. Thank God they had that conversation before they got married. But most people don't. Is the wife going to work? And one, I asked one couple that. And the woman said, no. And he said, of course you are. Little, little issue there. Who manages the money? How much can you spend without your spouse's approval? Okay. Who will you spend the holidays with? I asked that to one couple. And she said, my family, we hate his family. <laughs> and he said, excuse me? Uh, How will you deal with uh, in-law problems? I had one couple that I said, well, he was Catholic and she was Protestant. And I said, whose church are you going to raise your kids in? And he said, oh, mine. And she said, no, I'm not going to your church. They broke up in my office. They had never had a conversation about where they were going to go to church and how they were going to raise their kids and all that. There's another thing that I use called a role concepts analysis. And it asks it's just trying to, trying to find out what you believe about roles in marriage. Uh, one question is who will do the housework? Most, the number one reason the couple's fight is over housework and over the, the house itself. Who will mow the yard? Who will discipline the kids? There's one question that I ask on role concepts analysis. Is it okay for a woman to initiate sex? And I had a young man say, no, it's not okay. And I said, get out of my office. You're too stupid to get married. <laughs> and so, but the majority, if, if I wouldn't have led those couples through the process of talking about those things, they would have never talked about it. In other words, there's no prior agreement. We, we have not, we're entering into the most important relationship in our lives. And we don't, we don't even know if we agree. We have been dating to impress and we've been afraid to have deep conversations for fear it would split us up. And then you get married and you find out you marry someone completely different than you thought you did. And you start having problems. And that's one of the things that Karen and I did. There are three levels of communication in marriage. This is very, very critical. Three levels. One is proactive communication. Proactive means we're doing it ahead of time. See, when you have a budget, one of the most important things about having a budget financially isn't the numbers on the page. It's a proactive conversation. We're not gonna react to money all the time we're going to sit down and talk about it and take the emotion out of it. It's am not, not saying it's not emotional at all. But when you're proactively talking, it means, you know, before money is an issue next Christmas, let's sit down and talk about Christmas. Before money is an issue, you know, let's sit down and talk about all the different issues so that we can resolve it now. Proactive, it takes the emotion out of it and we're, we decide beforehand. Now we can walk together. The second type of communication is reactive communication. And this is where the, the peace leaves the relationship. We're reacting to the kids. We're reacting to, to work. We're reacting to money. We're reacting to sex. We're reacting to all these things because we haven't talked about these things. The third level is radioactive communication. This is somebody's going to get hurt. And when Karen and I got married, um, I didn't know about money languages. You know, we have, They're different money languages. And um, I see money as love. Karen sees money as security. There's no right or wrong way. So there's nothing wrong about it. But Karen likes to save. Karen's a saver. And so I like to save, and I'm conservative financially, but I, it's easier for me to spend than it is Karen. Well, when we got married, we couldn't talk about money because I thought she was a tightwad, and she thought I was a spendthrift. And I told her, you're a tightwad, Karen. And she said, Jimmy, you're a spendthrift." Well, I hated it when she said that. Oh. And I said, you know, Karen, you're the kind of a person that's going to die with all your money in a mattress. And nobody's going to like you. And she said, well, at least I'll have a mattress. And so, you know, that wasn't a good conversation. So we, we fought all the, we couldn't talk about money. And so until one day I heard about the different money languages, and I teach about this in Marriage on the Rock in the session on money, I go into detail on it. But the point being, we could not talk about money. Well, how many of you know you have to talk about money? It's all day, every day that money is happening in your marriage. We had an issue that dropped into the radioactive category, which meant we couldn't even bring the subject up. And so it was terrible. So let me talk about the, how to get issues coming out of the radioactive or reactive into the proactive arena. The first thing you have to do is clear out the radioactive issues and make them a priority. You have to say, and, and there's a, the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? And that is one bite at a time. And if you've been married for a few years and you realize, you know, we have several issues that are radioactive, and if you're in a blended family, it's even easier to have radioactive issues in a blended family. And so if you have radioactive issues, you say, you know something, that's not okay. We're not okay with this. We, because we have not agreed, these issues have become very emotional, and they're keeping us from being intimate and having a sense of peace and goodwill between us. And so we are going to resolve these issues. We are not going to let these issues divide us. We are not going to let these issues ruin our marriage. And if we have to go get help outside, we'll do that. Listen, getting counseling is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Teachable people succeed. Unteachable people don't succeed. You guys here are obviously very teachable. But the point being, Karen and I, we, we'll we get help if we need it. We, we, as a pastor, as a marriage guy, we've gone to get help. We had an issue with our daughter one time that uh, that we couldn't resolve. And we went to someone, they resolved it in five minutes. And it had been five years and we couldn't resolve it. And so if you need to go get help, go get help. But it's not okay to have these issues in your marriage that you can't agree on, that you don't agree on. And so number one, we are going to get these out. The second thing is stop reacting to issues. Now, Karen and I teach people how to do vision retreats. And if you've ever heard me teach much on marriage, you've heard me talk about vision retreats. Um, so Karen and I, we at that time, we, we had a good marriage, but we, we had disagreement about our children. Uh, they were teenagers, about money and about my schedule. Those were the three issues that we had you know, kind of tension about it. I wouldn't say we fought about it all the time. So we went on our vision retreat, our first vision retreat, and um, those are the first three things we talked about. And we woke up in the morning. You, you, from the time you wake up until around noon, uh, you just talk and pray, and, and then the rest of the time you just have fun. And, and you fight. When you go on a vision retreat, a lot of times you'll fight, and we have a rule about that, and that is all fighting stops at noon, come back to it the next morning. Okay, Just decide, okay, we're going to have fun the rest of the day. Remember where we were. Okay, and <laughs> So you just come back and fight. Because you need to fight. If you're going to fight, go ahead and fight. But what, let's, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you rather have a good three or four week fight and live the rest of your life in peace rather than not have that fight and live the rest of your life in anxiety? Wouldn't you? Isn't it just better just go ahead and get it over with? And so what a vision retreat does is it brings every issue to the forefront. And it doesn't ask the question, what do you want and what do I want? It asks the question, what does God want? See, when you have two individual stubborn people at a standoff, it's just a headbutting contest. But when two people surrender themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, everything is blessed, everything is peaceful. That's where the peace comes from. And so a vision retreat means every year, every year, we're gonna have a vision retreat. Listen. If Karen and I start arguing, we know we need a vision retreat. If something gets between us and we kind of start yay at each other, we say, we need to go have a vision retreat. And when we go have a vision retreat, it resolves it. And I'm not trying to win, and she's not trying to win. We're trying to hear God. And when God speaks, now we're one. We don't have division. We have one vision. And because we have God's vision, he gives the provision. When we went away on our first vision retreat and we prayed and we talked, let me, let me say this. Now, I hear God. I mean, I'm a hearer. Karen's a feeler. So when I say you get away and you talk and, and you hear God, um, Karen feels and her feelings are how God speaks to her a lot of times. She has deep convictions. And, and I'll say to her, well, you know, Karen, I was praying and I feel like the Lord said this. and I don't, I don't pull the God said thing on her. Like you better do it. I say or Jesus is gonna strike you dead, is that I don't do that. But but what I do say is, you know, Karen, I was praying and I thought maybe the Lord said this, and then she'll come back and says, "Well, I don't feel good about that, but I do feel good about this." And we talk and we pray until we both feel as though that we're both at peace. The Colossians three says, "Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts." God leads us through peace; He's the Prince of Peace. And so, when you get peace about something, you talk, it agrees with the Word of God, and you have peace about it. Guess what? You're one. You proactively agreed on this, you write it down, and now you have something to hold you accountable. We went and prayed, we had our vision retreat, and the Lord said this about this. And we don't have any argument because we went to Jesus and he solved our argument. This, we didn't. Neither of us fought and won. Jesus helped us to resolve our, our issues. So the number one thing if we're gonna have peace in our relationship is prior agreement. We have to sit down and talk about important issues and get the radioactive issues out, stop reacting to issues, and make sure we're in front of the curve and we know what God is saying to us in our marriage. Number two element of peace in marriage is purpose, is having God's purpose for our marriage. You know, um, Rick Warren, his book, The Purpose Driven Life, the first, I think this is the first sentence in the book, is it's not about you. And John Eldridge has a book called Sacred Romance And he talks about in there about getting trapped in the little story. There's a big story in life and getting trapped in the little story. And a lot of people get trapped in the little story of life. The little story of life is going to work, making money, going to the grocery store, going to the cleaners, filling the car up, you know, taking kids to soccer. That's the little story. The big story is there's a king and a kingdom and an eternity. And a call that God has on all of our lives to make a difference before we leave here. That's the bigger story. And see the question, when you get trapped in the little story, it's just about selfish people trying to get, get what they want. But when you get into the bigger story, it's a game changer. And see, here's, here's the question. Why did God put you together? See, that, that's purpose. What is the purpose of you being married? And the purpose of you being married is not the little story stuff. Now, that stuff is important. But there's a bigger issue, In an example, um, when Karen and I got married, I wanted to be a professional golfer. I've played golf all my life. Um, I, I played golf just about every day at that point. It, it was, I was a horrible husband, horrible father. But the purpose of my life was to golf. I was not a good father. My heart was not turned toward my children. I was not a good husband. My heart was not turned toward my wife or my home. But I was a golfer, and I was a good golfer. And I would go out and golf, and that was the reason I lived. And I was damaging my wife, and I was damaging my children, and I didn't care. And it was the brink of divorce before God got my attention and helped me to understand there was a different reason for my life. See, I didn't, I didn't know I was Jimmy Evans. I didn't know that my life would touch millions of people. I didn't know I'd be in this room right now. But God did, and maybe the devil did too. And maybe that was the reason he was working so hard to split us up. But when God changed me and changed us, the purpose of our marriage changed. I wake up in the morning to serve a king and a kingdom and to make an eternal difference in this life. And that elevates everything in your life to a place of peace. Because when you find God's purpose for your life, it's like putting your hand in a glove. You were created in your mother's womb to do what he called you to do. And everything I do today I love, it's why God created me on this earth. But before Karen and I, our marriage was healed, I was trapped in the little story. Partnership is number three, and I'm almost finished here. Marriage is about sharing, and it's about being partners. And let me just make a couple of, of points here, and that is dominance destroys marriage. Marriage is an equal partnership. And that's why I was saying your spouse should be able to say anything they want to say without paying a price. And we need to be kind to one another, we need to be polite to one another, but we need to give our spouse the right. Know, in other words, we're equal stockholders. In a relationship where there's dominance, one person owns more stock than the other. And one person makes decisions without consulting the other person. Or the other person fears, feels fearful and disrespected in the decision making in the home. That was dominant, I mean, this, this was my deal. And so I would, you know, just not care about what Karen said. I would just kind of make decisions and bully her if she disagreed with me or whatever. Karen and I make all of our decisions together. I don't make any, any significant decision in life without Karen. I never bully her. I never badger her. And if she says to me, Jimmy, I don't agree, it's done. It's over. I walk away. I don't pout. Karen has made, kept me from making a thousand dumb decisions. She's brilliant. She's wonderful. I'm so grateful that I have her as a wife. I need her in my life. So we're we're partners, there cannot be dominance and we share everything. Marriage is about sharing. We share everything, we share our children, we share ministry, we share life, we share our home. We're not existing in two separate parts of the house or just existing and I have my life and she has her life. We share our lives together and we're partners in every single thing that we do. So partnership brings a sense of peace And the final one here is prayer. And this is, let me just read this scripture and I'm I'm done. This says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, so don't be anxious for anything. Anxiety is a choice. If you're an anxious person, you made a choice to be anxious because you don't have to be anxious. Let me say if you don't pray, you're going to worry. So what you need to do when you wake up tomorrow, sit down and say, what am I worried about? Write down everything you're worried about. That's your prayer list. You know you know when you've prayed enough? It's when you're not worried about it anymore. When you have peace. This teaching today, uh, this care in this program, is on peace. It's the secret of lasting peace in marriage. Uh, I remember... Uh, early in our marriage when we had no peace in our home whatsoever. In the first few years of our marriage, we fought a lot, but even when we weren't fighting, we didn't have peace.
1: Well, there's tension. Tension. There's always tension. Yeah. You know, and so I agree. I mean, I look back and I think, oh, my gosh, if we can make it, anybody can make it.
0: But <laughs> Really, honestly, we, we fought all the time, mm-hmm. and we were on the brink of divorce. We have a peaceful marriage mm-hmm. today. And, you know, the this our secret paradise is the fuller seminar that this program is from. And God made marriage in a paradise called Eden mm-hmm. and the thing about a paradise is there's peace
1: yeah
0: you know it is not a paradise if it's not peace Well and
1: the serpent hadn't showed up yet that's
0: well that's <laughs> right well but God designed marriage to be full of peace mm-hmm. and not conflict and not turmoil and all of that and so in this program today we're talking about you know several of the ingredients but I want to talk about one when I do seminars around the world um, I talk about the issue of dominance. Mm-hmm. And I've done this poll all over the world. And and I ask people, uh, how many of you were raised in a home where one of your parents was clearly dominant? <laughs> okay, We're, we're not going to answer that because our parents watch our program. <laughs> so, but um, 70% of hands go up immediately. Mm-hmm. And then I ask the question, how many of you believe that had a negative effect on your family? Every hand goes right back up. The number one issue that causes lack of passion and intimacy in marriage is dominance. Mm -hmm. And you you have to be partners. That's what I was saying in the teaching. There Mm -hmm. has to be a partnership. This is why we didn't have peace, Karen. Mm -hmm. Early in our marriage, is I was dominant.
1: Yeah. And I didn't like to be controlled. Well, that's right. No one does. (laughs) But, you know, I I love the, the fact that you were willing to, you know, begin to change, you know, your behavior. I mean, so many couples... You know, they're, they're just so stuck and doing it their way and the dominance and the control, you know, and I, I like to say all the time, humility goes so far. Yeah. I mean, you're, it It could be your best friend. And, you know, just the fact that I, 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 there's nothing more endearing to me than a man that's humble. Yeah. I mean, because I look at men and I think they're strong, they're, they're providers, they're, they bring security, and when one is dominant doing that, it's so unattractive. But when they're humble and they're doing all those things that are right, it's so endearing. And yeah. so, you know, for a dominant person, it may be difficult to, you know, say, you know, maybe my way isn't the highway. Well, <laughs> Maybe it, it's not the best way. Yeah, and,
0: and the thing is, Karen, you started getting healthy, and mm-hmm. you began to stand up to me, which caused me to react. And my first reaction was tell you get that out of the house. Yeah. I didn't like it. But ultimately what happened in our marriage is we became equals. Mm -hmm. You have to be partners. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have peace in your relationship, no one can dominate the relationship. And today we're partners. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if our marriage were a corporation, we're equal partners. We both have the same amount of stock.
1: Well, and even in our parent situation, you know, you said, you know, obviously we had dominant parents, but, you know, as they've grown older, yeah. you know, you watch that dominance go because you realize you're fighting over things that are not important. Right? You know, you're you're, you're trying to control things that are just not that important. You know, and it's like, really, this fight's, you really want to go all the way there? It's like, no, don't. Just, you know, lay your swords down and, and, and go with peace because you will see a transforming, you know, spirit in your home that will affect it. Your children, your grandchildren, you know, everybody that you come in contact with.
0: That's right, Karen. Absolutely. You know, the, you can have peace in your home and that, that's what we're saying. And sitting down and learning to talk about things before they become issues, learning to pray together, you know, being partners and not dominating each other. And if, if you are, and by the way, just as many women are dominant as men. Mm-hmm. So if you're a dominant man or woman, sit down. If you're being dominated, stand up, insist on respect, and talk about things together. Work as a team, and you'll have peace in your home. And I'll tell you, it's its, it's the prize of marriage when you have that kind of peace. And that's how God designed marriage to, to operate. And we hope this program today is a help to you, and we hope that you'll consider supporting us here At Marriage Today, we go all over uh, the world uh, helping people in the area of their marriage. Every single week, we're uh, reaching millions of homes with this message, but we can only do that because of partners like you. Would you consider giving your most generous gift today? The information is there on your screen, and everything you give to us goes to reach families and marriages and keep little children together with their parents. And we very much appreciate every single one of you who are standing with us financially. Again, we're only able to do what we do because of our precious partners. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for supporting Mary's today. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Goodbye.